Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to Nathan Lebenz. Nathan is an entrepreneur and founder of Waymark, the world's first input-free automated marketing platform for video. As an expert in leadership, digital transformation, and content governance that empowers businesses to take control of their own advertising, Nathan excels in identifying and resolving roadblocks, which helped Waymark achieve corporate success. His work in this space enables marketers, salespeople, franchises, uh, freelancers, and businesses of all sizes to optimize their video messaging. Today, Nathan and I are going to be chatting about the importance of corporate branding and how to optimize video messaging to best represent the ethos of your brand. We're also going to be diving in and talking about AI and how it is revolutionizing the ability to market. We'll learn what works from Nathan's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses just miss the mark. Nathan, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you very much, Stacey. I'm excited for this conversation. Well, what I'd love to do, and and we'll dive in a little bit about what we talked about before, but to start off, how did you get here today? What started you on your roadmap to success of launching this video creation tool and taking over the world? (laughs) Yeah, well, there's a bit more to be done before we'll take over the world, but um, a long story, I'll try to give you the, the real brief version. Um, I've been an entrepreneur for most of my career, and I started the company that has kind of morphed into Waymark over the years, way back in 2010. At that time, it was a totally different idea, a totally different concept that we were starting with. Um, the one kind of commonality has been small and local business. Mm-hmm. So when we started off, that was the era, you know, if you can teleport yourself back to 2010. Um, that was the era when Facebook was kind of taking over the world. My co-founder and I had been actually in the same uh, class as the Facebook founders in college, and I was in their dorm. Um, and so we kind of had a, a front row seat as undergrads to just how quickly that platform was growing. And it was pretty apparent that it was going to be a big part of our lives for a long time to come. We had kind of some early, uh, an early point of view on that. And what we originally set out to build was a platform that kind of would be on top of Facebook and help local service providers establish their reputation with the help of the people in their network. That was a very idealistic vision that did catch on. And we were able to raise some investment capital to help support that and, you know, signed up a whole bunch of small business owners and independent service providers uh, to the site and collected a whole bunch of reviews, testimonials, all that kind of good content. Uh, back when that was pretty, we were kind of pretty early in that um, in that phase of the internet. At one point we had more, the, st- the site was originally called stick.com and we had more uh, real estate agent reviews than Zillow at one point. At one point they didn't really believe in reviews yet and we were, uh, you know, kind of beating them. But our idealism ran into some uh, some turbulence because we were very dependent on Facebook data to run that business. Who's connected to who was really the, you know, the oxygen for that business. If you didn't have that information, you really couldn't do the stuff we were doing. And wouldn't you know it, you know, a couple of years on, 
they really shut down access to that type of information on the platform. Uh, we had no idea why at the time. It turned out later it was Cambridge Analytica, you know, that kind of data misuse, abuse, they whatever. sold it, they found it, they repurposed yeah. it, and then they were told no more. And we were told no more as well, even though we didn't do any of that stuff. But right. the, you know, we didn't know why at the time, but in retrospect, it certainly makes a lot of sense that they kind of were like, okay, we got to shut this down. Um, so we didn't really know what to do at that moment in time. And, you know, we kind of took a step back and said, well, what have we learned and what have people told us? And is there any way for us to pivot this into something new that we would be excited about? And one of the big things that we had heard from our small business users was, look, it's awesome that I have all this content, but I can only ask people to like write me reviews on so many sites, especially as you know, that was kind of catching on. There's more sites and now people are starting to get requests from all these different sites. So people were kind of like, the ones that I have here on your site, like, is there any way that we can make them work harder for me? Can we start to, you know, put them on my own website as well? So we had built a widget for that. You know, can we put them in my email signature? We had built a, you know, an integration for that, so on and so forth. Eventually, people started to say, especially as Facebook was shifting toward advertising being kind of the dominant way for businesses to grow, you know, again, where once was a time when you could grow for free on Facebook, like that's long gone. Uh, You're telling me that there was a time that more than 6% of your followers could actually see the content you posted? Yeah, wild times, heady times back in uh, the early, you know, 2010 range, but obviously all that's gone, right? So they're, they're, they were shifting the platform toward paid and then you know, our, our business owner users started to kind of also say like, I guess I kind of need help with that. And so we turned into an advertising company because we had a lot of content for our users and, you know, they needed help getting it out there in any way, shape or form that they could. And advertising was one of those. And obviously, you know, advertising is something that people are used to costing money and they're, you know, prepared to pay for. So we initially spun up a easy to use Facebook advertising service. Uh, but then that kind of morphed as well. We learned over time that, you know, certainly Facebook has made it 10 times easier, probably understates, you know, how much progress they've made relative to those early days. Back then, nobody could figure out, you know, how do I do this? It's impossible. It's, you know, it's too confusing. It's buggy. You know, we made it simple for folks. Naturally, Facebook gradually made it simple over time as well. And the piece that remained hard was the content. And so we constantly had people coming to us and saying, you know, executing my campaign, yeah, I could kind of do that. Right. But making good creative that actually wins in the, you know, hyper-competitive advertising space yeah, as people are scrolling at a million miles an hour through their feed, like that's hard and they couldn't do that. So we ultimately took that challenge on. So, you know, went from kind of small business reviews to small business advertising largely featuring those reviews to then content. Um, and ultimately video is kind of, you know, the final form of that content, at least, at least until we get into the metaverse. Um, but, you know, for now, video is kind of the number one, you know, way that businesses can reach new audiences that don't know they exist. And, you know, the, the problems there are, are pretty familiar, right? It's time consuming. It's hard to create video. So, we set out to make it easy and we created a web-based tool. And you know, our, our initial kind of mantra was like, if you can fill out a form on the internet, 
then you should be able to use our product. We're going to remove every other barrier. We're going to do all the creative work up front. We're going to have all the styling. We're going to have all the beats and the music and everything's going to sync up just the way it needs to so that it pops. All you need to do is pour your content into it. You know, that means your logo, your colors, your imagery, your video clips. Um, as an aside, like a lot of businesses don't have any video clips. So a lot of times images is, is really still kind of what they're using to composite into a video. Um, and then obviously your script, like what's your message? What do you want to say? Right. And that takes us back to your kind intro where you said, you know, getting into AI, um, you know, the biggest opportunity that we've seen and seized over the last couple of years has been the emergence of all these amazing new AI technologies. Mm -hmm. From a user standpoint, we would often hear like, you know, we, of course, like any, you know, a good software startup will sit down with our people and do interviews and look over the shoulder. And, you know, are you able to figure out how to use the product? Is it confusing? Does the UI make sense? And we got to a point where a lot of times people were just like, yeah, it all makes sense. I just don't know what to say. You know, I'm, I'm blocked on what my message should even be. Right. You know, it's not so much that I can't handle the mechanics, but what do I want to say? And so, you know, that was a problem that was, that's always kind of been out there. You know, the blank slate, blank canvas problem, people have had that forever. But what's new is that there is now this AI technology that makes it possible to help people write in a way that feels true to them, feels compelling, resonates with the audience, and is like super fast and easy. Um, and that's never really happened before. So we have really gone all in on trying to bring the best of the emerging AI technology together into our single product form so that you can kind of say now, like, here's my business and here's what I want to say. And that's really all you have to tell us. And then from there, we and the AIs do all the work and you just get to watch the resulting video. If you like it, you can you know dig in and edit it more and ultimately go download it and publish it. If you don't like it, you can just ask for another one. And that's honestly one of my favorite things about it now is just the ability to kind of be like, yeah, you know, it's almost like Tinder for for creative where you're like, and I've never been on Tinder because I married my high school sweetheart, but you know, the concept of like, I don't like that one, you know, let me see something else, swipe this way, swipe that way. Uh, we're kind of bringing that type of interactivity and just super fast cycle time to the creative experience. So that's what you'd find on waymark.com today if you went and checked it out. And there is a, you know, totally free demo there where you can you know, get, you can get a sense for what kind of video you can create for your business, you know, before you have to uh, put in any credit cards or anything like that. And so definitely try it out. And I think that's, what's really cool is in, for our listeners who haven't tried AI, you you're hearing about it right now, but you're hearing about it in the news. You're hearing about a word or a company called Jarvis. You're hearing about all of these buzzwords about how artificial intelligence is going to take over the world. And what it is doing, though, it's not taking over the world so much as enabling you to better leverage um, that which you could before. Like our agency's always used a number of different video technology. And we were talking about this before, like Lumen 5 and Magisto and all of these things that I think are awesome and great where you can load in photos, you can connect your blog, and it will magically create videos for you. And that's a lot in the sense of what you're doing. But you listen to your customer base and you heard the fact that if you're not someone who's creative and not someone who is actually a little marketing minded, 
even when you have these easy turnkey platforms to allow you to produce content, it can be very overwhelming and not knowing where to start. And so that's where the AI technology can help you. As a business, you're told that you need to blog. Well, there's now ways that you can actually start writing out into an AI software platform, and then it will formulate paragraphs of information for you. Am I saying you should go and take that and post it out and that should be your blog? Well, it can be the base of your blog. It can be a background, especially if you have someone on your team who's not very well adept yet and they need some help or they're younger and they don't have a lot of facts or they could suss it out. But there's so many ways to create content. I mean, we're told that we need to have social content and post on Instagram. We need to, you know, be creating posts and videos for LinkedIn. We need to be adding videos and content to our website so that Google will optimize our platforms better. And it's a lot of content. And I love the fact that you guys have actually come up with a way to smartly solve that and make people feel a little bit more confident um, potentially in their own skills versus just using a software um, design platform that is a cool video editing experience. Yeah, I, thank you. I think one of the ways we think about it is kind of in terms of this is like a, you know, with apologies to my web three friends, I, I talk about like creative three as kind of a joke, but also serious in that I think we really are entering a new era of creative technology. You know, creative one is like almost synonymous with Adobe, um, mm -hmm. certainly other, you know, companies and products there too. But Adobe is, you know, the 800 pound gorilla in the space. Well, look at Adobe, who is trying to like upgrade itself to compete against Canva because Canva created a super easy turnkey software and Adobe went back and were like, we can do it too. So it, everything's dumbing down so that you don't have to be that graphic expert. Yeah. Canva, I think of as kind of the canonical Creative 2 company, yeah. you know, Creative 1, Adobe being like originally, at least, power users, you know, professional users, software that's super powerful but man you got you need dizzying, a dizzying feature a list you memorized. know very hard to figure <laughs> out um you know years to master that software truly so naturally canva comes along as you said makes it a lot easier hey let's do this in a, a web uh format you know let's try to make it as intuitive as we possibly can and the ceo there who i respect tremendously i think they've done a great job on a lot of things uh, she talks about people who are a little bit creative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there's probably an order of magnitude expansion of the market. And that's a huge, you know, driver of, of Canvas success. You look at Adobe, they have, you know, basically every big company is an Adobe customer and the creative department is the folks that use the Adobe software. Mm -hmm. Canvas broken beyond that. You know, they can get now to the marketing team and all of a sudden it's like, well, you know what? the recruiting team can use it too. They're, they're creative and they're a little bit creative, you know, it's not everybody who can do it, but it's, you know, it's many, many more people. And then I think things like Waymark and certainly we already have plenty of company and there will be, you know, much more um, activity in this space as we go through this new 2023 year that we're um, just embarking on. But, you know, I think now the idea is like everyone can do it because everybody can spit out one sentence about broadly speaking what they want mm -hmm. and everybody can watch something and 
decide if they like it or not. You know, I kind of, there's an old uh, Simpsons episode that has uh, one of my favorite Simpsons scenes where Mr. Burns looks at a, a piece of art and he says, I'm no art critic, but I know what I hate. And I think that's like a lot of what people do on our site these days is they kind of say like, okay, I'm a small business owner. You know, here's who my business is. And I got a sale coming up or I've got a new product that I want to talk about, or, you know, we're changing our hours or whatever. Right? They've got a million things going on. They haven't really mapped that out into, well, how's this video really supposed to work? How am I going to get somebody's attention? How am I going to hold their attention? You know, how am I going to time it out? So it actually fits into the advertising specs, whether that might be TV, we do a lot of work with TV companies, or, you know, social media, whatever. Um, they don't have any of those questions answered. Right. But they know what they hate. And, you know, hopefully, we can show them something that they actually like, and they can know what they like as well. But I do think of that kind of knowing what I hate as being like, almost the core, you know, like, ah, I don't like that, show me another one. And then you get something that you're excited about. Next thing you know, you know, we still have the more advanced and what passes for advanced, you know, in our product is 1%, maybe a 10th of a percent as complicated as like an Adobe. Uh, but you can still get into that advanced editing experience and, you know, tinker with specific copy or, you know, crop or adjust your images just the way you want them. Um, but it's so much easier for people to want to take that on when they're looking at something that they feel good about already, you know, that they know they don't hate, <laughs> they know that like, okay, I can, I'll, I'll spend a little more time on this because I know I don't hate it. I know it's going to be okay in the end. Um, I think that's such a difference maker. And, you know, I think the, the end result of this is that everybody's going to have the opportunity to create content, even if they're not even a little bit creative. And I do think that's going to be a, a massive shift to, um, Honestly, to to much more than marketing, but certainly a, a very fundamental shift to how marketing work is is done over the next few years. Well, it's also going to do a shift in a lot of industries that may, especially smaller businesses, mom and pop companies, doctors, people who might not be going to the levels of creative content and production that larger companies have in the past. And they're going to be able to actually compete in better and easier and bigger ways because of their ability to harness the power of content creation without having to have a master's degree in Adobe. Yeah. And we, one of the things we do at Waymark that is pretty distinctive actually, is we really emphasize the quality of the creative mm -hmm. so that our goal is to make it look like you spent a lot of money, even though you didn't. Um, and we do, in fact, we have a you know pretty big at this point library of different um, content. Yeah. Different video templates, Pictures, videos, customize in all sorts of different ways. But we really work hard on them. We've got a really top-notch creative team. We put the effort into the motion graphics. Um, one of our creative leaders likes to say, our stuff always has a beginning, middle, and end. And, you know, it really, it, you feel like you're watching something. Your storytelling. On the level of what you're kind of used to seeing on TV, you know, in like, on like the biggest screen in your house, in your home. And... That is, that does still set us apart. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there certainly these days, but not too many that I see kind of feel like, Hey, you could put that on a Monday night football broadcast and you would not be like dramatically outclassed by everything else that's around you. 
Right. Um, and we, we do put, you know, real resources into that. And then obviously, you know, through the power of software, we can serve a, a broad audience and uh, that allows us to, you know, make all those economics work. But the big idea is like, we really want to bring high production value and then combining it with this like extreme ease of use uh, these days powered by the AI support that, you know, you can have something that people don't, you know, on the internet, nobody has to know that you didn't really spend a lot of money on your, on your video. So I think that is, um, I think that's a big kind of feather in our cap or, you know, differentiating factor for us. I think, you know, to, to your point about like all these different types of businesses, right. Medicine and, you know, all sorts of local businesses. I think we're going to see impact that we're really not prepared for. I mean, the marketing workflows definitely are going to change dramatically. Um, it's a little bit hard to kind of map out where the end game is there because I do think the rules around content are going to have to change the, you know, the, the, the radical difference in the price of content creation is going to lead to a, a kind of transition phase here where a certain set of people will be like taking advantage of that and creating tons of content and winning kind of by the old rules and then I do think we're going to have some sort of new rules emerge, right? Because we've, we've already seen that. There's been a, you know, even well before AI, there's been a cat and mouse game between like SEO content and Google trying to figure out how to like give that appropriate weight. Like sometimes it's useful, but a lot of times it's not. How do we like not get everything kind of cluttered by, you know, people that are out here just trying to play like some sort of optimization game? Mm-hmm. That challenge is going through the roof, right? Especially as the adoption curve picks up and then the content, you know, explodes exponentially, then, you know, we still only have the same eyeballs and we still only have the same time in the day. So content consumed, like can't really move that, that much, right? Like uh, one of the things I'm always kind of amazed by is people, depending on what survey and what age bracket and whatever you look at, people watch between like six and nine hours of video content per day across devices. You know, that's been, Traditionally, obviously, that's TV. Now it's a lot more phone, whatever. Um, but that's like a third to half of waking time. Yeah. So that's a lot. You know, there's not really that much more. It can go up a bit more, but like how much more can it really go up, right? I mean, the supply of content is going to grow much, much faster than you know consumption can possibly grow just by the fact that you know, we're still biological creatures with, uh, you know, a certain information processing speed and like a certain amount of, you know, time in the day. So I don't know what those new rules are yet. Um, I think one of the angles that we have on it at Waymark is that quality will matter more and more over time because, you know, it certainly the raw volume of content is just going to be explosive, but quality, you know, will vary. and people will just, you know, move even quicker away from lower value, lower production value content in the future than they already do. And they already do it pretty quick, but we're just going to have to kind of steal ourselves even more and just be even more selective, even more kind of quick to move on from stuff that's not good because there's just going to be so much of it. And the, you know, the platforms, the Googles and the Facebooks, you know, and the Twitters, they're going to have their challenges uh, with that too. I think it goes even farther than that in the sense that 
you know, right now you call a doctor's office and you might get a voicemail mm-hmm. and they might return that voicemail. They may return it in a timely fashion. They might not. And, you know, all you're trying to do is something that I think an AI in the not too distant future is probably going to be able to do, which is understand what you're saying and translate that into putting something on the schedule so that you have an appointment. I think in the, you know, I, 2023. Yeah. I think in 2023, you're going to start to see businesses have systems that allow 24 seven natural language. You still just pick up the phone and call like you always did, but if they don't answer the AI might answer and the AI might be able to handle that entire interaction of getting you on the calendar. And then it can even go further than that. Well, what's wrong? You know, what do you need? Let's start to take some notes. Um, if it's a doctor's office, Google just published something the other day that they call MedPalm, and it is approaching human doctor level performance on some pretty substantial medical benchmarks. Yeah. It's still, to be fair, and I always try to give the bad with the good. Uh, the way they measured it was was really smart. They kind of showed how often is it doing the right thing, and then how often is it doing so the wrong thing. And I say also there because it can do both at the same time. Like, I think that's one of the things people who play with the AIs, and I certainly do a ton, the more you play with them, the more you realize like they're right about a lot of things. They're useful very often, but if you're not careful, they will slip some stuff by you. There's some weird things that can pop in when you're using AI and you're just like, and how did you find that about what? And sometimes it's just straight up wrong. I mean, the, the term of art for this in the space is hallucination. And, you know, if you're not famous, uh, I'm, you know, I've got like an online footprint, but I'm not famous. It knows a few things about me, but then if I start to ask follow-up questions, it will like make up a whole family for me. You know, it'll make up details about my, you know, where I went to school or whatever. It'll come up with all this stuff. Uh, sounds very natural. Sounds like it's, you know, it all sounds plausible, but it could be wrong. I think people overhype that problem a little bit, but it is a very real problem that users need to be aware of. Um, so anyway, in the med con- context, they kind of showed that like humans do the right thing a certain percentage of the time. And, you know, good news is for our doctors, like it's in the 90 you know percent range, like mid nineties is kind of how often the doctors will understand the patient, you know, remember the right information and like conduct the right analysis. Mm-hmm. The AIs are also there. They're just a couple percentage points down just, just below where the humans are now. The other side though, and this is where the challenge comes in still is the mistakes. The human doctors are making single digit percent mistakes in terms of understanding and recall and analysis. And the, even the the specialized um, med AIs are still doing like low double digit mistakes, which, you know, that's still a meaningful difference. And and there's going to be a lot of work that goes into that. But boy, it is really starting to get um, extremely good. Bless you. And, you know, for marketing where we're a little bit more fault tolerant, you know, make sure you read, don't publish stuff you haven't read. You know, that's one thing I would definitely recommend. That's marketing mistakes to avoid. Publishing things you haven't read. Don't do it. The, The AIs are not that reliable. They will get things wrong. They will save you a ton of time, but it's definitely not to the point where you can just uncritically, you know, take what it gives you and, you know, post it on the internet. You will embarrass yourself uh, that way if you do that more than a couple of times. So the utility is really there. 
I think it's going to change a lot of things. Mistakes definitely are still an issue. Um, but man, the progress is just unbelievably fast. So if you are a listener right now and like, I have a business and okay, they're talking about videos and content and I don't even know where to get started. And obviously they can come to your website and use your software platform, but what should someone be keeping in mind? Like when they're talking about video creation, what are the best standards? Like, do you want a 10 minute video for people? No, I know that I'm being facetious. You, no one wants to watch a 10 minute video anymore unless it's actually entertaining, but what are the best practices for someone? Yeah, it's. I mean, boy, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. I think one of the things I all almost always flag for folks is what kind of business are you? And, you know, the, on the one hand, you've got kind of like the canonical plumber. Plumber is everybody knows what it is and they know when they need it. And it happens typically due to some sort of episode. And so you search for it right? Everybody's been, been there with a plumber or whatever. You have, you have a need that comes up and it's now and you go searching for it, but you know when you have that need and, you know, search is very good for that. In that kind of business, have, you know, from a video standpoint specifically, having a few videos on your Google My Business profile that comes up when somebody does search and you're, you know, one of the options that could be surfaced is honestly one of the most low-hanging fruit that I see people failing to take advantage of in today's world. Like, it's crazy. You can put videos on your Google My Business for free. Google does not charge you for it. It will help you rate rank higher and it'll help you be more engaging when people are searching and you do pop up. And I would say like, from what I've seen, 2% of businesses, maybe, maybe it's up to five or 10 now, but it's still a small minority of businesses that have even bothered to put a video there. So Part of it is just like understanding where people are going to encounter you and trying to be there with content that is accessible to them. There's a certain, it's not everybody, of course, some people prefer to read, some people prefer to watch a video, but there are a lot of people who prefer to watch a video. So having one that they can watch, honestly, is a huge difference maker. Like that's extremely simple, but you know, just having something that is there for that kind of person when they're there, you know, that that's, that's huge. The other kind of business, of course, is like those that people don't know about, right? It, the the oldest kind of theory of advertising is the awareness theory of advertising. Like people don't, they don't know you, they'll, they can't do business with you, right? They have to have some awareness. And if you do something that isn't like an everyday thing or it's special or it's, you know, kind of more of a taste thing or it's style or whatever, there's a million things that are not like plumbers, right? People don't go searching for things. I mean, honestly, Waymark is kind of like this in some respects because people don't, you know, the search volume on things like how can I make a video really quickly and easily and cheaply? Like there's some, but it's not that much. So mostly what we do and what a lot of our customers are also doing is we got to go find our audience. We got to go connect with them, you know, not because they're searching because they may never search because it may never come to a moment, you know, where it's like, I need that now. Instead, you got to break into their world, introduce yourself and hopefully, you know, win enough attention and and make a favorable enough impression that people will take that next step and want to learn more. And obviously that's largely done right. with video today. And that's true really across all platforms. I mean, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, TV, Instagram, obviously part of Facebook, TikTok. I mean, 
you know, all the big places are pretty well dominated from an advertising standpoint by video. So, you know, going going to the audience is really the other thing. There are really some things you, you do need to do to be prepared to do that. I have a whole slide deck on like the seven things to do before you spend your first dollar on advertising. advertising. And it's kind of, you know, just trying to make sure that you have the basics in place to take advantage of that awareness that you're creating. You've got to have, you know, and I'm talking, well, these are pretty basic things, but like you got to have a mobile friendly website because much of your traffic is going to come from a mobile device. And people will leave that website so fast if you yeah. don't have a mobile-friendly site. Now, boy, does that sound like advice from 2015? Yes, but a lot of people still haven't taken it. So I, I still kind of give some really basic advice there. Um, other things like being prepared to do retargeting. If you are advertising and driving traffic to a website and you're not doing any retargeting or remarketing as it's often called these days, you're just not even close to maximizing your ROI reaching somebody once, having them visit. I mean, think about yourself, right? How often do you do that? And you just kind of leave and then- Like sending just, one email to them one time and then never following up again and being like, why are they not a client? Half, in our experience, and it certainly varies, but in our experience, about half of our business is people who see our marketing immediately come through and they buy, if not on their first visit, they like, they buy within that first kind of memory cycle, like before they would have forgotten about us, but fully the other half, we have to bring along. And that's, you know, through those email campaigns and through the remarketing. So yeah, you got to have ways to kind of bring people into a longer term, uh, you know, dynamic and how long that is, you know, and, and how also how, what percentage you can expect to actually convert on a first visit. I think will vary widely depending on what kind of business you're in. So I wouldn't, you know, put too much stock in my numbers. Mine just kind of happened to work out that 50-50 and it's easy to remember. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, your your mileage will vary, but you will definitely need to have some sort of retargeting and, and kind of, you know, list sign up and some sort of automated, you know, email follow-up in order to come anywhere close to maximizing your advertising ROI. And if you don't do that, you know, it's such, everything's an auction. So the other thing I saw, I really emphasize for folks a lot of times is, you know, you can, you might think to yourself, well, I don't care if I leave a few marketing dollars on the table, but the problem is in an auction dynamic, if you're not maximizing your ROI, then your ability to, to compete, to bid for the ad space is going to be less than somebody else who is maximizing. So even if you're not like that concerned about that, it really kind of undermines your ability even to compete effectively at the top of the funnel anyway, at the end of the day. So you kind of have to have all those things, you know, tracking conversions. That's another one that's become a bit harder lately due to, you know, Apple and privacy and all that stuff. It's, it's, you know, it used to be no longer track someone across the web and make yeah, sure you're showing up in every picture that might be there. Tougher than it used to be um, for better or worse, but still you got to have those conversion, you know, trackers, something is better than nothing. Um, and the AIs, you know, whether we're talking, I mean, there's a lot of different forms of AI, right? We, when we talk about Waymark, it's natural language generation, computer vision, like all that kind of stuff. When you talk about a Facebook algorithm, it's much more like discrete data signal type things, um, but they're very good. So even if you don't track every conversion, you better believe that they are filling in a lot of information from what kinds of people do convert and what you know, what kinds of people don't convert. So they're, 
you know, they, you have to make sure you, you close that loop for the ad platforms in order for them to serve you best. So I, I could, I could share that, um, that side deck with you if you want, you could, you know, post a link in show notes or whatever after the fact, but, um, you got to have all those things kind of, they're very basic, but you got to have them in order to be, you know, prepared to feel good about turning the money on. Um, and then when you're ready to do that, you know, then obviously we would hope that Waymark would be your choice to, uh, make a high-end video. Um, your original question included also something about what kind of video Obviously, to a significant degree, what kind of video is determined by the platform where you're trying to get distribution. If you do a TV commercial, you have two options generally, and that is exactly 15 seconds and exactly 30 seconds. And you have a 16 by nine aspect ratio, and you really probably need 1080p resolution um, or you're leaving a lot of value on the table. Like those are pretty hard requirements. The social media is a little bit more flexible, but you know I would not take a horizontal TV commercial type video and put it over on social media and expect it to do all that well. Like you got to probably do something a little taller than wider. So the platform matters a ton. The other thing I would say is two other things I'll say and then I'll stop. Um, one, time is so precious. Attention spans are so short. 90% of people will move beyond your video in two seconds on Facebook. You've lost not a whole lot of time to get someone to actually know who you are. So Facebook recommends getting your brand in the first two seconds, making sure you at least get some kind of idea of like who you are across before 90% of the audience is gone. Um, and obviously really trying to, test and dial in that first two to three second message is hugely important because the difference between retaining 2% and 20% of your audience. And that might be like, you know, that's probably roughly the effective range for like something that's performing poorly to something that's performing extremely well is like two to 20. Uh, but that's 10 times, you know, that's 10 times more return on your investment if your first two seconds is compelling. So that's, you know, the highest ROI is typically there trying to find the first couple seconds that really connects with people, hooks them enough. Facebook call, used to call them thumb stoppers. I think, I guess they probably still do. Um, and, you know, you're not going to find too many other places in your funnel where you can achieve a 10x difference from like a first version to an optimized version. Sure. Uh, so that's, that's really key. Uh, the other, and finally, the biggest mistake I, because we're into mistakes is, Biggest mistake we see on our platform is too much content. If you say everything you want to say, it is too much for the viewer. So that's a constant battle for us, <laughs> you know, trying to get our users to say the right amount. It's almost right. always too much. It's almost never not enough. Um, it's only sometimes the right amount and it's often too much that we see. So, you know, the real simple kind of best practice there would be like, finish your video, show it to a friend, watch them watch it, and then just ask them like to tell you back what it said. If they can do it on one watch, you're probably in pretty good shape. Most of the time they can't. 
Because you most of the time people will stuff so much in there because they have all these things they want people to know and all these things they want you know to get across, but it's too much. And that again, what happens there? Do people go back and like rewatch it? They, nobody's rewinding your commercial, right? So <laughs> you have to you get one shot. So or if it's a social media, you know they're just swiping right. or scrolling. So that is the number in terms of the actual video that we see produced by far the number one mistake is trying to stuff too much stuff in there. So just go through that simple exercise, ask a friend, Hey, watch this. Tell me what it's about. <laughs> Did you get it? I mean, I would say as hard as we try, probably still three out of four first attempts from our customers. They take them to that friend. It's like, Oh yeah, I kind of lost you there in the middle. It was a lot. So you got to pair it back. Um, the AI is helping with that. You know, we've certainly trained our AIs to do brief, you know, appropriate first drafts um, and people still stuff, you know, too much, too much content in there sometimes, but um, you know, the, you know, it's the oldest uh, thing in the, in the world, right. It's just kind of the the difference between the speaker and the listener or the presenter and the audience. Like that gap is um, takes a lot of empathy and takes a, a purposeful effort to keep in mind, like, what is their state of mind? What do they know and don't know? How much do they care? They, they care a lot less than you as the business owner. You know, that's for sure. So just keeping all those things in mind and really trying to um, create content with that front of mind, I think is, is absolutely critical. Well, and if you remember, you can always create another video. Yeah, well, that's we've made that uh, about as easy and quick, uh, certainly as it can be in early 2023. And we'll, uh, we'll be continuing to try to refine and, and speed up and uh, improve that process. Uh, day in and day out. And so how can people find Waymark? I know it's easy. You just have to go online. Yeah. Waymark is online on the web at waymark.com. And yeah, you can right there, right on the homepage, you can try out the demo, put in a little bit of information about your business. It really just requires your business name. And if it's online, that's it. If it's a local business, then we ask for your like city and state as well. We then go out find the business, kind of show you, hey, this is the business we think is you. Is that right? You confirm. Then we go and pull in all that content, you know, everything that's written on your website, all the images that you posted on Facebook, all that stuff, kind of suck it all in to a business profile. Then we ask you, okay, what kind of video are you trying to make? Mm -hmm. You answer that in five words to 25 words. And the next thing you know, you're watching a video. So I definitely uh, encourage everybody to try it. And you know, hopefully the first one will be great. But as you said, if you don't like the first one, then you can, you know, a retry is only a click away and you can keep retrying until uh, you get something that you don't hate and you're uh, excited to move forward with. And then everyone can see it. You can send it to your mom, you can send it to your friends and you can show them what an awesome creator you are with the touch of a button. That's right. Every In, in Creative 3, everybody I think is going to be able to create. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for joining us today. Really, really appreciate your time and your knowledge and your enthusiasm for AI because it is a fascinating world that we're barely touching or dipping our toe into right now. There's so much to come. And I know it's a little overwhelming for some people and others are like, I, I keep hearing AI and I don't really know what anyone means by it, but you helped really provide, I think, some um, transparency and insight into what is here and what is on the horizon a bit and how it can actually benefit marketers today. So thank you. 
My pleasure. Thank you very much. This has been fun. And then to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, if you would like to try to understand better how to get your brand interwoven into other people's content through movies and TV shows and music and product placement, influencer marketing, or working with a celebrity, reach out to Hollywood Branded, and I'm happy to chat with you. And we can discuss how you can take on the world. Have a great day and we'll see you next week.